0: Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation, anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder... Any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is another solo episode in which I want to cover a tool that can be both really helpful but also really troublesome, and that's the scale. So many of us have a really difficult relationship with the scale, don't you think? I had my own fair share of struggles with it for years. At first, when I was in the throes of the eating disorder I described in what I believe was episode 6 of this podcast, I would weigh myself obsessively every day not because I was trying to track a rolling average, as I will explain in this episode, but because I wanted to make sure that my weight was going down every single day, or that at least it was the same as the day before. It could not be higher, or else I would have tried my best to make it lower the next day by either eating less or exercising more. And then once that phase was over, and I decided that I wanted to make a food recovery, I was left with some disordered eating habits once I restored my body weight. So I stopped weighing myself altogether and I went without the scale for about two years because I was afraid that if I weighed myself, it might show that my weight was too low again. I was at a stage where I idealized the quote unquote standard weight range of the BMI and I knew I was borderline underweight according to that scale. And sometimes maybe I had been underweight. As I said, I didn't weigh myself for two years, so I can't be sure. But I didn't want to step on the scale to find out because although I was telling myself that I wanted to recover, I knew that I had these disordered habits that I couldn't let go of at the time that were getting in the way of doing that. And I was afraid that, in fact, Um, they might cause me to relapse even and to fall below the uh, standard weight category. Finally, at the beginning of my bodybuilding journey, I decided that I wanted the scale to stop ruling my life. I didn't want to jump on it. And if it were the right number, I had a good day. And if if it were the wrong number, I had a bad day. And throughout the years, I was able to really improve this relationship to a point where now I truly believe that I can step on the scale because I decide that I want to, the number doesn't rule my life, and I don't feel like I need to see it every single day. I track it most days, but if I go away on holiday, I don't take the scale with me, I don't panic over it anymore, and if some days I forget, so be it. I don't make a big deal of it. So I'm hoping to help you take back that same power for yourself with this same episode where I am going to cover why you might want to weigh yourself, why it can be useful, what information you can get from the scale, what kind of data, how to weigh yourself to get reliable data, how to collect that data, and how to interpret it in order to make changes to your plan as needed, whether you're in a fat loss phase or in a muscle building phase. Before I begin, I want to make you aware that I also have some written resources on this same topic. I have a three-part blog article series called How to Track Your Weight for Muscle Gain or Fat Loss. And there's going to be a link to part one in the show notes. And um, when you access the first article, you find a link to part two and part three as well. So if you're more of the reading type, or if you want to read more about some of the math that I will touch upon in this episode, which I won't go into because doing math on a podcast means that you understand nothing and I will get confused, then head over to the article for sure. If you want to stick with the episode, then thank you for lending me your year and let's get straight into it. First and foremost, why would you want to weigh yourself? There are two primary reasons why I use the scale with myself and with my clients. The first reason is that it helps you calculate your maintenance calories in a much more personalized and potentially accurate way than if you were to use a calories and macro calculator or if you were to go off of a fitness tracker. The first method I mentioned, the calorie or macro calculator is less accurate because it bases its prediction on averages and you're not an average, you're a single individual. So while it's potentially a helpful starting point, In my opinion, you would gain more by tracking your body weight for one or two weeks, tracking your food at the same time, and checking whether your weight is trending upwards, downwards, or staying the same within a few pounds. That, in my opinion, is going to give you a much more accurate and personalized starting point for your journey than if you were to use a calorie calculator. However, you could use either method. The... Other method I mentioned using your fitness tracker to figure out your daily calorie expenditure is one that I don't recommend at all. While I think that using body weight and calories and tracking your calories for one or two weeks is my favorite choice, I would still use a calorie and macro calculator in certain situations, but I would not go off. A fitness tracker because research has shown that literally the only metric these fitness trackers seem to track reliably is your step count. So essentially we all wear uh, rather overpriced pedometers but the point is your daily caloric expenditure is not going to be accurate. So if you're thinking well if the Fitness tracker says I'm burning 2000 calories a day, then to maintain my weight, I need 2000. That's very unlikely to be accurate. So, I would not recommend you use that method. I would either calculate maintenance calories using your body weight and tracking your calories because your body weight can be used as a proxy for your caloric expenditure, whereas your caloric intake will be estimated when you track your calories and macros. in a food tracking app. Or you could use a calorie and macro calculator, although you would need to accept that it's likely a less accurate prediction. When you use your body weight and the calories you're eating for a couple of weeks to estimate your current maintenance calories, there is some math involved. I tend to use the rule of thumb that for every pound that you lose or gain, your burning or eating an extra 3500 calories above your maintenance calories but as i said at the beginning i'm not going to go into the math because it's very confusing so i will suggest that you go read my article how to design your own diet where the entire mathematical process is written down for you and i'm going to put a link to that in the show notes to hear more about my explanation on how to set your maintenance target, and from there how to set a fat loss target specifically to start your fat loss journey, then I will link you to episode three of this podcast in this show in the show notes to this episode again, because in that episode I covered how to set all of your targets: calories, protein, fiber, uh, step count, cardio, and resistance training workouts. So. You definitely want to listen to that one if you're wanting to start a fat loss phase or if you've already started it, but you want to refine the process a little bit more. Now, the other reason why the skill can be a helpful tool is to measure progress once you've begun either your muscle building phase or your fat loss phase, or even to check that you're still at maintenance if that is your goal right now. However, the scale isn't the only tool I use to measure progress with my clients. I combine it with body circumference measurements and or physique pictures. I normally use at least two of these tools because one alone can sometimes be difficult to interpret as we'll find out in the rest of these episodes. Sometimes the readings you get from the scale aren't accurate, so they can't be used to measure progress. So if you feel like using the scale isn't really for you in this season of your life you're only listening to this episode because at some point you would like it to be then for now it's not that you can't measure progress you can i would recommend you took your body circumference measurements and physique pictures every week not because you're going to see necessarily changes every single week but because if you don't take regular body weight readings you might benefit from having more pictures and more sets of measurements to look at over the course of time whereas in most cases when somebody is uh, taking body weight readings i will require pictures and measurements every two weeks in some cases or every four weeks most commonly now if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking i am in a place where the skill freaks me out i do want to change that i do want to take back control over it but it still freaks me out a lot and I find the numbers daunting. I have two suggestions for you whereby you could still be able to weigh yourself even now and start overcoming that fear even if it seems quite daunting right now and these are two suggestions that I that have helped me personally and I've also helped several of my clients overcome the fear of the scale for me, the most helpful change to make was to switch my scale to a unit of measurement that at the time I was not familiar with. So I grew up with uh, kilograms as a unit of measurement for weight. So when I lived in America as an exchange student, everybody used pounds. And I realized that I could not wrap my head around pounds. They meant nothing to me. If say saying that I weighed 110 pounds did not... Carry any emotional weight, pun pun not intended actually, uh, because I simply did not know what that meant in kilograms. But if I saw the equivalent in kilograms, which I think is something between fifty five and fifty five uh, and fifty two and fifty five kilograms, then all of a sudden there would be emotions attached to that number because I knew what it meant to me. So when I decided that I wanted to go on a um, journey of making peace with the scale, I immediately switched the scale to pounds and I made a commitment not to ever convert the number that I saw whenever I stepped on the scale into kilograms. And after about a year or so of doing that, it really transformed my relationship with the scale because I simply looked at the number and noted it down in my spreadsheet where I noted all of my data. And it meant nothing to me because I didn't know what it meant in kilograms. Over time, I started using pounds more and more with my clients and kilograms less and less. So now neither really means much to me, which is great. But the point is, Switching to Pounds was really game-changing for me. Now, the second suggestion that I have is that you could get a scale that links to an app. Now, there are so many that do this. And the app is going to be connected to the scale via Bluetooth, and it's going to record a number every time you step on the scale. So you don't need to look at the number on a daily basis, because if you do that, it can get stuck in your head and change your day to a good day or bad day, depending on what number it was, which we don't want to happen ideally. So you would step on the scale, not look at the number, and then you would set an appointment with yourself to for your weekly check-in to check how you're progressing towards your goals. And that's when you would write down all of the numbers that you recorded during the week into your spreadsheet, or you would check your rolling average. Because if you see three to seven numbers all at once, none are really going to stick in your head as much as a single one that you're going to remember for the next 24 hours. So that's why the scale can be useful, but you don't need to use it if you don't feel like you're in the right place to do so just yet. Now, in terms of the information that we can get from the scale, we can get two types of data, reliable data, and unreliable data. The reliable data, the data we definitely want to use to track your progress, are your weekly and monthly body weight averages. And here's how to calculate these. To calculate your weekly body weight average, you want to weigh yourself three to seven times per week. I wouldn't weigh yourself less than three times because once you have only once, one or two data points, the data is a little bit muddled for reasons that i will explain in a moment so i would go with at least three weigh-ins up to every single day then you would add up all of these numbers and divide them by three to seven so for example if you weigh yourself seven times and every single time it's a hundred pounds let's keep the math very easy then you would up you would add up 100 plus 100 plus 100 seven times just like the number of times you weighed yourself, and that would be seven hundred. Then you divide that by seven, and the result is your rolling weekly average, which is a hundred pounds. To calculate your monthly average, you will take your four weekly averages, add them all up, and divide them by four. And the number you get is your monthly average. These two metrics, these two pieces of data, are the most reliable and the ones that you want to rely upon when you're measuring your progress whereas the data that's less reliable are your daily weigh-ins because on a daily basis our weight is going to change primarily due to water fluctuations. The changes in body fat or muscle mass that you can experience on a daily basis are so small that there's really no point in trying to it's impossible for any scale to discern them from the changes in water weight so the number you're going to see is unlikely very very unlikely to be related primarily to a difference in uh, body fat or muscle mass because body fat and muscle mass particularly muscle mass changes take much longer to show on the scale you need to be in a calorie surplus or in a calorie deficit for a very long period of time to see an increase or decrease in body fat or even more so, muscle growth is much slower. Um, So a change in uh, uh, an increase or decrease in muscle mass is going to take much longer than a change in body fat. Just think about it intuitively. It's not like people um, develop overweight or obesity in a couple of days of eating more, right? They won't even notice that they are gaining weight. Most often, when somebody gains more weight than they want to, they only realize it after a few months or even a few years. So clearly, it takes a while for your body fat and your muscle mass to change, not a single day, not a week. Uh, So you don't need to worry about these daily fluctuations giving you reliable information on changes in those compartments of your body weight. With that said, I do think that seeing your weight on a daily basis can really help overcome the fear of the scale because you come to understand just how wild your own water weight fluctuations can be. For example, it's very common for the scale to go up if you had a saltier meal the night before than you would normally have. That's why when you go to a restaurant, you're usually heavier the next day because restaurant food uh, has a lot of sodium added to it, more so than what we would sprinkle ourselves on our homemade food. And the scale weight can also go up if you had a bigger or harder to digest meal than usual the night before, another reason why after a restaurant meal, scale weight tends to go up the next day. It also goes up if you're on your period because uh, certain phases of your period, particularly Uh, the premenstrual phase and the week of your periods are phases when your hormones are shifting and you're more likely to retain water. Weight can also go up if you're stressed or if you slept badly, if you had a hard training session the day before, because a hard training session results in quite a bit of inflammation, which again results in water retention. It can go up if you went on a flight the day before, because the air pressure can change uh, the way you're retaining or losing water within the body. There are so many reasons, therefore, why on a daily basis your weight can change. And hopefully this shows you that you really don't need to worry about those individual daily fluctuations. What you want to look at is the weekly or monthly rolling average. Now, in order to collect the weigh-ins that we need to track this weekly or monthly average reliably, we need to weigh ourselves under the not necessarily same, because that's almost impossible, but very similar conditions every single day. So I normally recommend weighing yourself first thing in the morning, or if you don't wake up in the morning because you have shift work, for example, first thing when you wake up, before you eat or drink anything, and then before you before you weigh yourself, go to the bathroom for a bowel movement or a pee whichever it is, don't stress if you don't need to do either. But if you do need to go to the bathroom, go first and then weigh yourself. The, what we're trying to accomplish is to be as empty as we possibly can and always take the measurement of your weight when you're as empty as you possibly can. Then ideally, you would wear always the same type of clothing and ideally as little as possible. So personally, I step on the scale just wearing a pair of boxers. If you follow these guidelines, you would normally be in very similar conditions every day, meaning you'll have very little food and drink in your gut. You will have already emptied your system by having gone to the toilet. Again, if you don't need to, don't stress over this. And you will have just woken up after an overnight fast or, you know, after um, a few hours of sleep if you don't sleep at night because of shift work. Once you collect your weigh-in data, you want to track it either on an app or on a spreadsheet so that you have both single data points to look back on and also your rolling averages. It can be helpful to look back on single data points to to know what to expect the next time a similar situation presents itself. For example, the first time you go to a restaurant and weigh yourself the next day, and see that you are three pounds heavier, you might freak out. But you note it down on your spreadsheet, and uh, under you might create a column that says Notes. And under that column, you might note, I went to eat sushi last night. The next time you eat sushi, you gain three pounds again. This time you don't freak out because you're like, huh, it's like the first time. So that's why it can be useful to track both single data points and your rolling averages. As I said, you can use an app. Or if you want to use an Excel or Google spreadsheet, you can use the free one. I'm going to link in the show notes. It's a free made for you weight chart that I created with Google Sheets. You're free to take it uh, for yourself. What you need to do, the spreadsheet is set to view only, so you can't modify it when you click on the link. You need to select file on the upper left-hand corner of the screen, and then you select make a copy. You save that copy to your own Google Drive, and that's when you can modify the data, um, including the spreadsheets. Now, for the final part of this episode, I'm going to focus on how to interpret the data that you're going to collect in a fat loss phase, and then I'll move on to a muscle building phase. So in a fat loss phase, I recommend that you ignore the first two weeks of tracking your data, because when you first get into a caloric deficit, you're going to lose a lot of water because normally when we reduce the amount of calories we eat we reduce the amount of carbs we eat and we absorb about a gram of carbohydrate with three to four grams of water which means that whenever you eat about 100 grams of carbs they are absorbed with three to four hundred grams of water for a total of four to five hundred grams so nearly half a pound from a single hundred grams of carbohydrates whereas when you eat 100 grams of fats or 100 grams of protein they they they're simply absorb as they are so they weigh 100 grams inside of you therefore when you reduce your carbs you're going to see rapid fat rapid sorry not fat loss rapid weight loss which isn't all body fat. Some of it will be body, body fat, but not all of it. So if you want to look at your fat loss trend, you need to discard the first two weeks. You can only really use them to check that you are indeed in a caloric deficit, because not everyone experiences water losses, but in many cases people do. So if the first two weeks you think that you're doing everything to the T, which I highly recommend you look into first and foremost before you lower your calories or increase your physical activity. And you also see that your your the weight is not really moving. It's possible that you may not be in a caloric deficit, but as I said, there are certain people who do not see a change on the scale for many, many weeks. So it's really an individualized process. And I always recommend that you stick with the same calories and macros for at least four weeks at the beginning of either a fat loss or a muscle building phase to collect much more reliable data than what you might get from just the first two weeks alone. Now, assuming that you get over all of these water losses, you experience them, as I've seen most people do from week three onwards then you can compare your body weight averages week to week unless you are a person who menstruates. but I'm going to cover the menstrual cycle in a few minutes for now stick with me let's assume that you don't menstruate then you can compare body weight averages every single week but expect that they won't go down every week sometimes they'll go up sometimes they'll go down, sometimes they'll stay the same, even if you are very, very consistent. What's important is the overall trend over time is down. And that's where you want to double check your rolling monthly averages and see if month to month the trend is downwards in addition to the week to week trend. Because if the trend is going down, then you know for a fact that you are on the right track and you don't need to change anything. Now, if you menstruate, it's possible that you're going to experience fluctuations in your weight that have nothing to do with body fat, or very little to do with it, either during the premenstrual phase or the week of your period. Not everybody experiences this kind of symptom at any point in the cycle. Some people only only have these fluctuations during PMS, Other people only have the fluctuations during the week of your period. So the best thing you can do is track your periods to find out if this happens to you. If it does, then you will be better off, instead of comparing body weight week to week, to compare your body weight during similar weeks of the cycle. So, for example, if last month during PMS, on average, you weighed 160 pounds that week. And this month, you weigh 158 pounds during PMS. You are making progress. So your rolling monthly average shows progress. It does not matter that this week you're PMSing and you're weighing 158 pounds and last week before PMS you were three pounds lighter at 155. You're not comparing apples to apples here because now your hormones have shifted and you'll find that once you're over PMS your weight is likely going to be closer once again to what it was before PMS. So what I'm suggesting is that if you menstruate and if you do have these water changes in your body weight at certain phases within the month you need to rely on monthly averages to come to track your progress more so than on weekly averages because for you every week will be slightly different in the way your hormones may affect your water fluctuations and these water fluctuations can change in certain phases of the cycle again to a degree where not only can you not compare your data on a daily basis you also can't compare it on a weekly basis if you menstruate but you don't get any of these symptoms for whatever reason then you don't need to worry about this and you can compare your progress um your progress your rolling average week to week just like a person who doesn't menstruate now if you want to hear more about an appropriate rate of fat loss to make sure that your diet is sustainable and that you're not at risk for muscle loss, head over to the show notes and listen to episode three because I covered all of that in that episode as well. And if you want to hear more about how to overcome plateaus, I am going to record a podcast in the very near future about that very topic. Now moving on to the final topic, let's cover how to interpret your data in a muscle building phase instead, where the focus is on gaining weight and muscle rather than losing weight and fat. Again, I would ignore the first two weeks because this time for the opposite reason, where when you increase your calories, you increase your carbohydrate intake. So, a lot of the weight you may gain from the first two weeks is water weight. And therefore, your rate of gain will be faster than it will be once you've. uh, gained as much water as you can from the surplus that you set at first so my recommendation is stick with the same calories and macros for an entire four weeks before you make any changes now from about week three onwards instead of checking your averages every week like you would in a fat loss phase as i said earlier muscle growth is much much slower so it's more helpful to check your averages every 2 to 4 weeks and if every 2 to 4 weeks you're gaining about 1 to 2% of your body weight over the whole month not in a, in a single week but 1 to 2% of your body weight every month so about between 0.5 and 1% every 2 weeks then that's what i would suggest as an appropriate rate of gain to maximize muscle mass and minimize body fat accumulation although as i covered in the episode i recorded with steve hall and the follow-up episode on muscle building phases, these were episodes 13 and 14, some body fat gain during a muscle building phase is inevitable. However, if your weight gain is gradual enough, you can minimize how much body fat you accumulate, which is helpful because then you can be in that phase, in that caloric surplus for a longer period of time, which means you're going to gain more muscle mass. Now that I've told you that the rate of gain is about 1% to 2% per month, that's as little as 0.25% of your body weight per week, which is why you don't want to measure your progress every single week because a 0.25% body weight change from week to week could also be due to other factors like what I discussed before, you know, some more salt in your food, uh, stressful workouts, a stressful life, bad sleep it's really almost impossible to detect unless you're waiting at least two to four weeks again if you want more information on how to figure out if your muscle building phase has plateaued i will have a podcast recorded for you on this very topic very soon for today this is the end of the episode i hope that you found it informative i hope that it helped set you on the right path towards freedom from the scale I really want this episode to help you take back your power over the scale. It's a freaking piece of plastic, and we all deserve to feel empowered over that device. We deserve to feel that if we want to use it, we can, and if we don't want to use it, we aren't afraid of whatever change we're not seeing in those numbers. Thank you very much for listening. As always, you'll find all of the links to the resources mentioned in the show notes, along with links to the application form to become a one-on-one coaching client or to apply for it and have a consultation with me about it. And aside from my services, all the links to my free content, like my newsletter and my website. If you have any questions or feedback, I'm always happy to hear from you. And I'd love if you wanted to email me at fit 2 at gmail.com. For now, thanks for listening and until next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.